0: amen well that's awesome well if that wasn't an awesome intro i don't know what is that's a great great way to start the start the service that's awesome well my name is colton and uh i'm really excited like words cannot describe how pumped i am right now thank you so much sir i appreciate that i'm gonna set this on there i'm really pumped uh uh, Austin was supposed to intro me, I was a little worried about he was, what he was going to say. <laughs> and so I, I'm very thankful that he didn't. <laughs> Austin's, Austin's my brother-in-law, if y'all didn't know. But all right, well, I want to first apologize. I've been sniffling and coughing and all sorts of stuff. So if you hear me go, you're just going to have to deal with it, all right? So, uh, or I could be courteous and move the mic away. but <laughs> So tonight, I, I really am, I'm like, oh, it's just so good to be in the presence with you guys, worshiping the Father. I'm really excited. And before we get started, uh, God laid something on my heart about, I don't know, a couple hours ago. And I, was, I wasn't sure if I needed to uh, kind of give this prophetic word now at the end of service. It was going to be for somebody, but I really do think it's going to be now. So I'm going to do it now anyway. So. <laughs> uh, but the, the word that I was getting earlier was buried. There are people here tonight that feel buried and not in a good way, uh, feel like just the weight of life has been put on them, feel like they've had this call, and, and I'm going to put brought my phone up here for this reason. Uh, in Revelation 22, it's uh, a really cool uh, passage of Scripture. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the, uh, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruits in every month. And the leaves of the trees are there for the healing of the nations. And uh, as I was hearing this word buried, I was seeing this picture of this tree, and almost like we've got promises of, like, like I'm going to be that big tree. I'm going to be just a great oak tree. I'm going to be a sequoia tree. That's what God's called me to be, is like a pillar in our town. But... In the midst of it, it just feels like we're buried. We've been struggling. We've been almost striving to be this tree, striving to be something great. And instead, it feels like we're buried. How many of you know, though, before you can get a tree, you actually have to plant the tree? You actually have to put it in the seed. And the seed, as soon as you put it in the ground, is not just immediately a tree, but it's actually buried. And it's not buried, it's planted. And so my encouragement to you tonight, if that's for you, I want you to hear something, is you're not actually buried, but God has just planted you where you're at. Because while you're planted, your roots are growing down deep, and the roots are deep because what's going to grow forth is going to be mighty, and the roots have to sustain it. So integrity and character is being built in you. So amen. There you go. That's, that's for that. That's not anything what we're going to talk about tonight, but... Praise Jesus. All right, well, let's just pray. God, thank you so much. You're just awesome. Amen. Amen. So uh, really excited. Like I said, I've been saying it a lot. I, I'm, this is something that the Lord has put on my heart uh, for a while now. So I'm going to give you some context, first of which is I believe it was in 2012 or 13 or somewhere in that era. There was a summer where I was a, a summer intern at our, our camp, and my wife was there. We weren't married at the time, but we were both interns together. And uh, we had this night of just ministry where we had different leaders and come out from the church, and they came and prayed for us, and they separated us between boys and girls. And uh, the, the boys had uh, Zach at the time. He was not pastoring. I think he was probably teaching at the time. And uh, he was there. I think Austin was there. Cody Maynard was there. I don't know if he's here tonight, but Cody Maynard was there. And uh, Jay Share was there, and they were all praying for him. Jay Share, sorry, Jacob, Sheriff. I call him Jay Sher. Uh, Jacob was there. And they were praying for us, and it was just a, it was just an absolutely incredible night, and they began to speak words over me and prophesy over me, and uh, I don't want to go into all of it, but Pastor Zach gave me a word, he, probably, he might not even remember this, but he gave me this word, and he said, Colton, I, I see a picture of you, and you are on a sailboat, and you're sailing on the waters, and you look a little lost, you look like you don't really have a purpose, but... You need to take heart because if you want to know where you're going, you have to do the continual maintenance on the ship. And I was like, that sounds great, but I got no idea what that means. (laughs) No idea. And, And it was a cool word and it was encouraging. I was like, that's right, I'm a sailor. That's right. And I was really excited about it. And it's something that's kind of just resonated in my heart ever since then. And I've really been interested in sailboats in the ocean. I have this. I don't know if it's a healthy fear or just a fear of like water, deep water, specifically the ocean, a cart ride right, because it's nasty, or like the like Texoma, uh, it's nasty. But anyway, so I, I just, I've had this fear ever since then. A good healthy fear is what I'm saying. But I've been drawn to this. And so, as you can see from up there, tonight's sermon is going to be called The Sailor's Prayer, if there was ever a more youthy name. And so, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. No, I am not a sailor. No, I don't even have a boat. Uh, I've, I was not in the Navy or anything along those lines. Just a cool sermon title, in my opinion. So, um, I want to give a little bit of context to tonight. So, tonight, you're gonna to have to put your creativity caps on, okay? Your artistic way of thinking. If you're one of those people that lies to yourself and says you're not creative, this you're gonna have a hard time doing this because you are creative. We, we were created by the creator in his image to create, okay? So you are creative, whether you know it or not, but that's for a different time, all right? Uh, something that this guy, I just love him. His name's Erwin McManus. Uh, he's a really cool guy. He's got a church called Mosaic. He says that we are... Uh, both works of art and artists at work. And I love that. So I had to naturally wear my shirt that looked like a painter just threw up on it, you know, Uh, just to inspire some creativity. So we're gonna be looking at things from a creative uh, point of view tonight, if you will. So the reason I came up with this title was I started to think about sailors and explorers of old, Christopher Columbus, Amerigo Vespucci, and all these people who actually just went out into treacherous waters and sailed. They didn't know what was out there. In fact, at the time, 1400s, people thought, some people thought the world was flat and the world was gonna end. Some people thought, uh, all the map makers, the cartographers and things, they thought that there were sea monsters and leviathans and serpents and things in the water that were gonna take people out if they got in their ships and sailed. And yet these people did it. Like they sailed and they were going and there. I was like, this is the way my brain thinks, but I was thinking, what motivated them to do that? What, what caused them to actually get into a big piece of wood and get onto giant waves into the unknown? That is so scary to me, and you better believe I'm never doing it. And so I was like, what is it that, that they're doing? What, what motivated them? And then I started thinking, okay, these people are out there. They've got crews. What were they praying What what was it that they were out at the sea praying for? Because I can tell you that it was not just praying for safety. I'm I'm gonna get to what I mean by that in a little bit. But they're not just praying to be safe, but they're actually praying for something. And I I was really confused as to what does it look like. What why do they pray? What is it they're praying for? And uh, I'm gonna go into a story time. That's what I call it, story time. And I'm just gonna be vulnerable. Is that okay? Can I be vulnerable? Can I trust you guys? Even if I can, I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, just going to be vulnerable here and tell you a little bit um, just about my walk and and myself, I guess. But when I was about 12 to 15, I I was just seeing these visions and I was on fire for the Lord. And I was seeing these pictures and these visions in my mind of myself doing this, preaching to people. And it was like my dream to be a pastor. And I I don't say that lightly. Like I dreamed about it. I wanted to do it not for my glory, but I was just, man, I was on fire for the Lord. I was like, I've got to do something worth living for. I got to have some purpose. And so I was just so excited when I was that age about preaching and being a pastor. And specifically, I wanted to be a youth pastor. And I am, and I've been doing it for three years. And I I don't say this lightly, but like, whoever that was, brownie points. But uh, (laughs) you're going to have to find me afterwards. But uh, so anyway, I love it. been doing it for three years, and it, it really is a dream job, and I love it. So hear me say that, okay? Hear me say that. I love it. But last year, last September in 2018, I started to just notice something in my life. It was I was getting stagnant. I wasn't seeing a lot of growth. There wasn't a lot of teenagers coming to youth. I think our average was about 35 or 40 kids. And it's not about the numbers, but it's awesome to be able to see more kids being touched and impacted. And so I was just kind of, I was just sad about it. And I was looking around, I was getting to know some of the youth pastors in this area in Durant getting to build relationship with them, and I was just getting a little discouraged at where we were at, so I talked with my youth lead team and my wife, and we just began to pray, and we set a few goals, and there was a few things that my wife and I were praying for specifically. Uh, one of those was we wanted to see at least, like this was... God doing a huge miracle. We were like, this was something that we wanted but didn't expect to ever see it was we wanted to see 70 kids just walk to the youth room and be in youth one night. Not like as an average, just one night, 70 kids. We also wanted to see somehow, some way the kids get fed like with physical food like pizza and stuff like that every week, but it definitely wasn't coming out of the youth budget. I, and I, didn't, I couldn't afford it. My wife and I weren't going to go buy food for all these kids, especially if we're believing for 70 kids coming in. And so we were like, okay, we, we want to be able to see this. This is what we're praying for. Uh, our worship team was doing great. We had a new worship leader come in, and we had about like five or six people on the team, uh, pretty much none of which were students. And we had a dream to see we want to see a completely student-led Worship team and youth, we wanna see all the students, no one out of high school, just we wanna see students lead it. And that was our, we wanted to see it just increase like tenfold. And uh, we also wanted to see parent involvement to get parents to come to youth. By the way, if any of this resonates with any of you, if you wanna buy food for the youth or if you wanna come help out in youth, come on down. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's right. And so anyway, we were praying for this and a year went by. And again, what I'm about to say I'm, is uh, going to the point of what we're talking about tonight. So just hear what I'm saying. Is, so this last September took an evaluation of where we were at. And in September, we had a night where we had 96 kids come in the door. And yeah, it was, blew my mind. La- about a year ago, we had this awesome family. I don't think they're here tonight. And they, they just hit me up out of the blue and said, hey, the Lord just put the youth in our hearts and we want to provide for the youth every single week free of charge and I was like <laughs> okay like great <laughs> and since then there's been another family that's jumped on board and so every single week the food get, the the youth get to eat like all the food they want and it's good food and then our our praise and worship team went from about six kids to we did it we looked at the roster there. we have 20 people on the worship team 15 of which are kids And then we have multiple parents in the body that are involved. So all this stuff is going great. September's rolling around. Things are going awesome. Like, it's going great. And yet, I had this conversation. I had this conversation with this young guy who was a youth pastor as well around town. And he was struggling. He was being vulnerable. He was talking to me. And he said, uh, he was just kind of unloading his heart. And so I was really trying to be respectful and hear what he had to say and what was going on. And he starts talking about finances and kind of struggling with finances. And in the midst of him struggling, he just kind of blurts out how much money he makes a year. And keep in mind, he does the same job I do, but at a different church. And so I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, yeah, we make about the same amount of money, so I don't know why this guy's complaining. he throws out a number that was huge. And I was like who's tithing at your church? Like, <laughs> and I was, I, was, I was like, what? And something about that moment, him talking, again, I'm just being vulnerable. My employees are like, uh-oh, we're <laughs> uh, My employer, sorry. And, and so anyway, but I was talking to this guy and at that moment, he starts talking about this and I, everything in my mind starts to like just wander. And I'm thinking, okay, I have, I've worked so hard Sleepless nights. You could talk to my wife. I got kids calling me wanting to commit suicide. I've got kids dealing with depression, anxiety. I've got to wake up early in the morning to meet with this parent before school. Got to go to bed super late because it's the only time this kid's out of sports. And I'm tired. I'm am exhausted. But I'm seeing growth. And I'm really I'm thinking to myself, is this worth it? And as I'm talking to this guy, he starts talking to me about these business opportunities in town. And, like, after this night, for some reason, it was like everybody I talked to for the next three or four days had some sort of offer for me in terms of, hey, I got this job. If you want to do something on the side, you can do this. Hey, if you want to just leave what you're doing at the church, you can do this. And in that moment, you hear what I'm saying? I was so tempted to do so. Is there anything wrong with taking another job? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I knew God had called me to do what I'm doing now. But the thought of comfort and ease was making me go, did God really call me to do that? <laughs> the, the thought of being comfortable, having more, made me think about, oh, okay, is this really worth the sacrifice? Is this, is this really worth the time? And I started to, I started to notice something. I, and I was having this conversation with my wife. I just love her so much because like, yeah, oh, everybody say, oh, she's great. She's <laughs> over there. She's so pretty. And uh, I was having this conversation with her, and we were at Opera House because miracles happen at Opera House. And uh, we, we had been there for like four hours because we spent entirely way too much time there. And uh, we were there, and we were talking, and we ended up coming home, and we're having like this really good talk. And she's pulling this stuff out of me, and she's like, you know, something's wrong. I can tell there's, you're, you're warring in your brain up here. And I could not explain it. I really, I could not explain how I felt, but what came out of my mouth was faith. This is what I feel like. I feel like I'm on a ship, and I set sail knowing my purpose, knowing what I'm called to do. And whenever I set sail, everything was going great. But the, the wind started blowing, the, the waves started raging, and I stopped, I stopped doing the daily maintenance on the ship. I stopped checking where I was going. I stopped raising the sails, and now I'm praying, and I don't even know what I'm praying for and she, she just kind of looked at me and just kind of like nodded her head. And something about the way she nodded her head just made everything click in my brain. And I was like, what in the, like, What have I been doing in my mind? And in that moment, the Lord said, Colton, you need to start praying like the sailors pray. And I said, Lord, well, how do they pray? Because that sounds crazy. And so I started digging into this and figuring it out and saying, okay, here's the thing. As much as I wanted comfort as much as I wanted things to ease up and be nice. How many of you know that smooth seas does not make a skillful sailor? Smooth seas doesn't do that. But instead, it's the hard things in life that cause our character to grow up inside of us. Now, and here's the thing. Uh, This is so cool. I was thinking about this, and I heard somebody talking about it the other day. Does anybody lift weights in here? As you can tell, I lift a lot of weights. And so, uh, anybody lift weights in here? So, I used to go to the gym, believe it or not, uh, when I was in high school. And I had this friend who was a bodybuilder, and uh, I used to be a spotter <coughs> and because uh, I, I wasn't lifting weights. And, uh, and, uh, and he was on the bench press one time, and this guy's huge. He was just jacked, and it made me sick. And, uh, and I was standing above him, and he was like, all right, I need you to spot me. I said, okay, cool. And so he's like on his like eighth, ninth rep And he's like, all right, I'm going to need your help on this one is what he said to me. And I said, okay. So as soon as he started lifting up, I just grabbed the weight and put it up. And uh, he goes, what are you doing? And I was like. You said you're going to need help on this one. He goes, yeah, I'm going to need help to get the rep in. I don't want you to take the weight off. And I was like, why? I was like, if you're struggling, you're struggling. I'm helping you. And he said, no, no, no. When I'm struggling, I'm fighting. I'm fighting my mind. I'm telling myself I've got to get over this. When I'm up there struggling, I'm actually telling my body what to do. It's not telling me what to do. And he he was like a good spotter will actually hold that weight above you and let you struggle so that your muscles rip, your muscles tear, you can actually see growth from it. How many of you know that God is a good spotter? He does not just take everything away and say, oh, you're having a hard life? Well, let's just take it all away. He's actually developing something on the inside of you. What we talked about earlier with the roots, he's actually having roots grow down deep. So here's the thing, your comfort. Of Today could be your killer of tomorrow if you let it because you have to be yeah, not many people clap at that It's like because yeah, I like my comfort Your comfort of today could be your killer of tomorrow if you let it Speaking about a ship here if you're on your ship and you get comfortable You don't want to check your coordinates. You don't want to swab the deck You don't want to raise the anchor whatever it might be you will get lost out at sea It could be the very thing that breaks your back so now that we're in the intro, we're going we're gonna to continue to the next part. Uh, so I like you guys. Y'all are like responsive, man. You, hey, youth, y'all taking notes in here? Yeah, this is how you're supposed to respond. So anybody ever heard of, an, of a man named Ernest Shackleton? I don't know if Derek Hines is here or not, but he introduced me to this awesome guy. There he is. Excuse me as we take an awkward silence. Thank you. Uh, so there's this awesome guy. His name's Ernest Shackleton. I encourage you guys to look him up after. There's a 25-minute video on YouTube, roughly, that shares his story of his trans-Antarctic cross. So we're Expedition. So that's what I'm going to talk about. So Ernest Shackleton was this British explorer. He was this this person who had this calling. He had this purpose to go and just do, to go change the world. He was not going to be satisfied with status quo. He was going to go out and change the world. So he had the bright idea to go to Antarctica and walk it. I don't know why that's the idea that comes to mind. But he, he starts thinking, okay, we're going to do this. So he, his plan was to go into the Arctic Circle, get to Antarctica, and then travel. It was like 1,800 miles overland with sleigh dogs, with a, with a crew, to go do this. And so he actually put something in the newspaper. And this is what it says. I don't know if it's on the screen or not, but this is so cool. It says, men wanted for a hazardous journey. Low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return doubtful, honor, honor and recognition in the event of success. Now, I have two responses when I read that. The first of which is, I'm not going. You can't make me. That sounds way too uncomfortable. I'm not doing it. I'm going to tell you my second response after I tell you what happens in the, the full scope of the story. So he, he posts this and, and he goes and he starts talking to people and he has a crew of 28 men. This is uh, the year 1914 to 1916. And this is not like a trip that takes a couple of weeks. It took them around two years to do this. And he, he gets in, in this boat, and they're going, and I'm not talking like some cool-looking boat. The boat was a little sketch, if you ask me. And uh, there's pictures of it on the internet. And he gets in this boat, and uh, some of you are laughing at sketch, sorry. I'm going to have to change my youth lingo here, okay. And so... He gets in, they get in this ship and they go and they are about to traverse in the most deadly waters in the world. Like I'm talking, these waves get huge. The water is freezing, sub zero temperatures. It's crazy. And he gets this group of 28 men and they go eventually they get uh, to Antarctica. Their boat gets frozen over into the land earlier than they were anticipating. They have to get out. They stay there for uh, actually weeks and months trying to get their boat out of ice. They eventually decide we're going to just have to walk it from here. So they have a bunch of sleigh dogs who are just trying to carry everything across land. Uh, They end up just having to kill penguins and seals to eat. Eventually they start starving. So they kill their own sleigh dogs just to survive. And they get to this point, and I I don't want to butcher this story. I'm just trying to tell it as fast as I can. But they, they get to this point to where there is just water in front of them, and they have got to get across. And they're getting, they're nearing their destination. They've been traveling for like a year. And uh, they get to this point where they can no longer continue on land. But they had been carrying a 28-foot rowboat in the middle of Antarctica. And they, they're like, okay, we've got to get across. So the leader... Ernest Shackleton, the awesome leader that he was, was encouraging them, giving their purpose daily. He always gave them something to do, and it was never comfortable. But they had the best attitude. In fact, some of the the recordings in their journals will blow your mind. I'm just you got to go, you got to go read some of this stuff. It's great. And so they get in this ship and they go across the waters waves like 50 foot high they recorded which is just insane and so they're going and eventually they get to this other side they climb this like ice mountain somebody gets frost they have to cut a limb off and like it's crazy they eventually get to the place where they're going we're looking for and they realize okay well we actually need to go back and save the rest of our crew that's been back there months later Months later, they arrive in a big ship, and they see a signal flare go off, and they go and they look, and it's their crew, and every person is still there. Not a single person died on this expedition two years in Antarctica. That is crazy. It's like the, the, the greatest story of survival ever in history. So now whenever I hear that story and I hear that they succeeded, I know the end of the story, even though it was hard to get there. When I go back and read men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful, but honor and recognition in the event of success, something within me now, just like, I just want to get it now, I just want to go. It just sounds great. There's something in me that excites me about it. It's because they knew they had a purpose and they were willing to do it no matter the cost. No matter what it was, they were gonna keep going towards it even though it was uncomfortable. And something about that, call it's, it's, it's deep, it's deep in there. It ain't on the surface level. It's deep calling into deep right there. But there's, there's something within me that says, I, I don't see that anymore, why not? And I don't know if you've noticed we don't hear stories like that anymore. I, I, I've not heard of a story like this since then, over a 100 years ago. Nowadays, we can get on our phone and, and scroll through Instagram and see all the exploration we need to see. We can see anywhere we want to see, right from the comfort of our, our lazy boy. And, and we, that we get, that's our sense of kicks, that's our sense of, of ex, exploration is just from the comfort of our home. And we start to lose our purpose simply because of our comfort. And because we start to lose our purpose because of comfort, we settle for the cheapest things of gratification. And so uh, this isn't a sermon I anticipated people to be like, amen, because you know, we're talking about your comfort. Okay? The goal of tonight is to kill it, okay? <laughs> to kill your comfort. So i make you uncomfortable with your comfort. So I-, I read that and I start to think to myself, how come I don't hear that anymore? I don't, I don't hear stories like that. I don't hear these brave explorers willing to pave the way. The closest thing we have, sadly, is Elon Musk sending stuff to the outer space. But I don't hear, I'm looking for the Christians that are willing to say, no matter what persecution I might endure, I'm going to keep going. No matter, it looks like the success is, is slim, but guess what? God is with me. And you know what changed in my heart is I knew the outcome of the story. I knew the outcome of the story. Some of y'all know where I'm going. See, we know the outcome of our story. We know God's already won. So something should be leaping on the inside of us to do whatever he has called us to do and not get caught up in our comfort. So what is the sailor's prayer? What does that look like in the midst? What in the world was Ernest Shackleton praying in the midst of 50-foot waves? We're gonna get to that in a second, okay? Uh, so... Um, Does that story though? Does that does that resonate with anybody? Whenever I read that, when I read that 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 who wants to go like who who just wants to just jump off the cliff and just build the plane on the way down? That's that's just my personality. But I got some of the youth are like that's what I've been telling you for months. Uh, There's something in me that I just if it doesn't resonate with you then we can talk afterwards. But we're destined for greatness. Okay, so. Uh, I'm going to get lost in my notes if I don't, like, look back, all right? (laughs) So um, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, we are called to change the culture around us for the kingdom. We're supposed to not let it affect us in negativity, but we're actually supposed to go change the culture. And something that I've noticed, and this is not just young people, this is not just youth, young adults, this, it, this, is, this is all age spectrum. I, I've noticed that we get real caught up in, in, in certain things that the church does. So hear what I say here. Don't hear what I don't say, okay? Hear what I'm saying. See, we have things like Serve Day. We have things like our Fall Serve Initiative. We have things like Seven Days of Prayer, which are all great. They're all amazing. We have our church services twice a week. Those are great. And, and, and if you go to all of those, that's awesome. And you need to go to all of them. But if that is all that you do, and you're wanting to lead and change the culture, at best, at best, you're going to be keeping step with the church, not leading. And there are so many times whenever we say, Okay, okay, I'm ready to lead. I'm ready to start doing something. Give me some responsibility. Are you keeping step? Are you leading? You've got to do more. This is where that daily stuff comes in, the swabbing the deck, raising the, raising the sails, reading the word, worshiping. How many of you know what we, how we worship just a little bit ago? That is not just for here. This is, this is just a building. <laughs> like, it is for your daily life. I have experienced God in the shower more than I have experienced God in church. Because we, you, are the temple, and you lift up worship where you're at. And it's that daily walk. Is it comfortable? No, not always. I can tell you in the shower especially, I just want to shower my hair. I want to get out, okay? It's not always comfortable to to worship God right where we're at, but that's what he calls us to do. And so I want to read to you a story. I say story. I'm going to read to you some scripture, all right? Is it okay if I read the Bible? That's all right. Let's do that. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so this is Numbers chapter 13. I'm gonna try to hurry in this. This is Numbers chapter 13. This has got to be one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Like the, the Israelites' uh, ignorance, maybe arrogance, <laughs> I don't know, it just always astounds me. And so I, I want to read this with you. So this is Numbers chapter 13, verses 17 through 20. It says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, He said, go up through the Negev and go into the hill country. See what the land is like. Whether the people who live there are strong or are they weak. Few or are there many. And what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? And do your best to bring back some of the fruits of the land. The reason I said it like this or that is because I'm going somewhere with it. So I always had this picture about this story, which is a completely wrong picture. I just pictured like Moses and maybe like a hundred Israelites just kind of like chilling. And they're like, okay, we're going to send some spies out. And they're like looking at the land right where they're at. And so then like these cloaked figures just go and like survey the land. But which is not accurate. Just, you know, they were actually like uh, looking at a land area that was about 240 miles, and so they were there for 40 days, being spies on this land, getting a report. And there was way more than like 100 Israelites. We're talking millions, okay? And so uh, this is a big task that they're doing, really big task. So I'm going to skip down, and this is uh, Numbers 13. This is verse 26. So the spies have returned. It says they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported them what the whole, to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. This is what they told Moses. We went into the land to which you sent us. And you're right. It flows with milk and honey. God was right. What a novel idea. And you know what? Here's its fruits. And then right there, that one word, it's a big, nasty, but. It says, but the people who live there are powerful. But, God, I hate that word. It's just awful. And so these people, this is what they say. They say, "Your God was right. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's great. You know, in fact, here's its fruits. This is what we brought back. It says, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they are large. We even saw descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites who live in the Negev and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live, uh, live near the Jordan. And then Caleb, love him, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take the possessions of the land for we can certainly do it. And then it goes on to say, but the men who had gone up with him said this, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And then those people They spread amongst all of the Israelites, hundreds of thousands of them, they spread a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Okay, the the land devours the people living in it. And and, uh, we saw, uh, where did it go? Okay, and all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. I don't know about you, but first of all, spies aren't supposed to be seen. And so I highly doubt, just say this is cult here, I highly doubt the giants looked at them and said, yeah, you look like grasshoppers to us. And I also highly doubt that the land was eating people, okay? It says that the land was devouring the people that live there. There's thousands of people that live there. But here's the thing, fear and comfort started to distort what they actually saw there, They started to distort what God had told them to do, their original purpose. So they're willing to to get satisfied with just just cheap satisfaction because they lost their purpose in what they were doing. So there's two things I want you to get from the story. Two things. One is you need to choose your cost. So here's the thing. In in life, everything costs, okay? Everything, okay? (laughs) Examples. I'm learning this right now. Okay, so the cost of a budget, or the cost of debt. Okay, the cost of a budget. I can't just go buy everything I want, and it's really sad. Okay, and or the cost of being in debt. I'm going to be slave to the lender now. None of it's my own. The cost of submitting to authority, or the cost of being in rebellion. You could do either one you want. There's one that's right, one that's wrong. Uh, but It's a cost associated with it. In this case, the cost of doing what God has said to do or the cost of our comfort. The cost of doing what God is telling you to do or the cost of your comfort. Everything costs. Everything. But God has called you with his purposes and his calling for your life. And you have got to choose what you want to do. Let me just, God's gonna honor you. He's, he's a co-laborer with you. He's gonna honor whatever you choose, okay? But you need to choose the right thing. And here's what I love is, or, okay, we're just gonna do the next thing. The next thing I want you to get from this story is to choose your butts, okay? Now, not your B-U-T-T's, but your B-U-T's, okay? Choose your butts. So, in this case, the land is great. The land is full of milk and honey, but there are giants in the land. Or you could be like Caleb and say, there are giants in the land, but our God is able. My God is able. I mean, if anything, just go pick up a stick and some rocks. I mean, David killed one giant by himself. You're telling me hundreds of thousands can't go take this land with God on your side? What's the deal? So I want you to think about that. In your life personally, what you're sailing for, what God's called you to, your purposes, what costs are you choosing? What are the buts that you're choosing? What are the things that's stopping you? What are the things that, that are, are saying, you know what, this, this is what God called me to do, but I could really do, God, did you really tell me this? But I could make more money over here. But I could, I could get a title over here. But things would be easier over here. Or you're just going you to do it. You're just going to grit it. You know, here's the thing. This is something that's so cool to me. Thinking about, you know, Christopher Columbus. Thinking about these explorers who did it. Why did they do it? Because here's the thing. They knew that they might go find this uncharted land. They, they, they might. They might not. But what they did was they actually left a legacy for the people that came after them. So because they did what was purposed in their hearts, because they did what they were called to do, it set other people up for success. Did you ever think about that if people wouldn't have done that, we would not be living in America unless somebody actually went and did it? Did you know that God has called you to things that other people are waiting for you to answer those calls and start doing them? God, God is waiting on you to choose your cost and to just do it. Just go. So what is the sailor's prayer? The sailor's prayer is not, Lord, I'm here with the ocean. I'm here in the ocean, these waves. Lord, just keep me safe keep me safe the sailor's prayer is Lord I thank you that the lion of the tribe of Judah lives inside of me and I'm more dangerous than whatever is out there because greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world there's nothing that can come against me though there are 10,000 over here those 10,000 over here it's actually my enemies that stumble and fall why because God's with me but here's the thing it's that comfort. Oh, that comfort. I just don't like that word anymore. It's not good. Here's the thing. I'm also not speaking at you. I'm straight up speaking to myself when I'm to them. this, all right? Comfort feels good. <laughs> comfort feels great. In fact, after this, I'm going to go get a big chocolate malt from Brahms. It's going to be great. That's going to some good comfort. As I told you, I'm, I don't go to the gym. So my prayer for you tonight and forever, not just tonight, is that your, that your prayer would not be, Lord, just keep me safe. Let me just be comfortable right where I'm at. But actually to say, God, something about that. I know you're calling me to do something big. I know you're calling me to do something great. And, Father, my prayer is that I would not be scared of the waves. But my response would, would be like when Jesus was there, when the storm was raging. And, and he was asleep. Because... What was inside of him, that line of the tribe of Judah, that, that lamb of God that, that he is, that he was, that he is to this day. Because of what he had in him, it didn't matter the chaos that was around him. Because the peace that is within you is greater than the storm and you have authority over it. So that your prayer would not be, Lord, just keep me safe. It's, Lord, I thank you that the devil better watch out because you are with me. And there's nothing that's going to stop me from what you have called me to do. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, come on. Whoever said come on with it, double portion on you (laughs) too. So my question is, what are you sailing for? What are you sailing for? What is it that God has called you? Listen, I... As a youth pastor, I I get to see some of the greatest teenagers, but I also get to see some broken teenagers. I I, I get to see what the culture has done to them. I get to see what the world has done to them. We do not live in a comfy and cozy world. I've got to see some terrible things. Listen, some of you have been called to be fathers. Some of you have been, and I'm not just talking about to your own kids. I'm talking about to the kids around here. Some of you have been called to say, you know what, I'm going to say no to the things that no needs to be said to. I'm not going to allow that in here. You need to have some self-worth for yourself. You need to understand what God has called you to and call out greatness in them. But you first need to know what it's like to be a son of God. You first need to understand what it's like to be loved. Some of you, that, that's your calling. You want to be dads. You want to be a father to these kids. What's stopping you? What, what is it that's stopping Some of you moms, listen, I've got girls in the youth that they need to know their worth. They need to know their value. If anything, they just need to know that you're with them, that you care for them. So here's the thing. What's stopping us? What, what's that thing that's stopping us from going? What's that thing that's saying, you know what, long hours of darkness, all, all this stuff going on, let's do it. Let's just go. Let's just, oh, let's just go. If there's anything that you get from tonight, listen, a little bit of comfort, okay, that's fine. It's okay to sit in your Lazy Boy and drink a chocolate malt because I'm about to do that tonight. But if your comfort ever starts to kill your calling, you got a problem. If If your comfort becomes your calling, that's a big old problem. You've got to be willing to discern. You've got to be able to discern these things that are going on in your life and instead have that sailor's prayer, which is, Lord, I thank you that you have anointed me and appointed me for a time such as this. And though it might be easier over there, my roots are growing deep right here, and I'm going somewhere because you are with me. But I'll tell you what. I just want to pray for you. I, I even almost, I almost ended on time, Zach. Look at that. So I just want to pray for you, and I want you to be encouraged. What, what is it that you're sailing for? What are those things that are stopping you to go after your comfort, to go after what God has called you to do fully? And if you're ready, if you're ready to sail, I, mean, I say raise the anchor, hoist the sails, and let's go. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you, God, for just, man, you are so good. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just loving us. Father, I pray that we would never be satisfied with just comfort. We would never be satisfied with cheap. But Father, we'd be willing to live a life that costs us something for you. Jesus, I thank you that your word even calls you a pioneer. Father, your word calls you Great. And so, Father, I pray that we, being transformed into your image, would take on that same calling to change the culture around us. Father, we know that this city is great. We know that this town is called for greatness, that this town is a beacon. Father, help us to not be satisfied even with where we're at, but to keep striding in you, not striving, but striding with you, walking with you hand in hand. Father, I thank you. That we're going to see this city changed for your kingdom. That the things that we are praying for, the things that we've been prophesying are happening now. Father, I thank you for unity in these churches. Father, I thank you for good things happening. And Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm done, Pastor Zach. Are you closing?